Welcome to Men of the Hearts, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit Office of Priestly Vocations. Join me, your host, Father David Pelican, and me, your host, Father Craig Guerra, as we explore the priesthood, hear vocation stories from priests all over the Archdiocese, and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month to wherever you get your podcasts. Learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com. Well, it's good to be with you all. It's good to be with you, Father Craig. Um, I don't know. I feel uh, I feel odd. I feel yeah, odd yeah. reading, uh, uh, giving giving the intro here. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. It's the Father David show today, so you are still listening to Men of the Hearts, yes, but Father David's going to take the lead today. He's going to be our pilot, our captain. We're going to be talking about discernment of spirits with uh, St. Ignatius and uh, That's right. a, a number of things about his life. Uh, but of course, Father David, before we yes. begin, we always talk about uh, what's going on. And you know what? We didn't talk about it last episode. Mm-mm. We didn't talk about anything on Costco. Wow, that is that is that is quite the oversight. I think Father Craig, I think if I'm if I'm correct here, I, we didn't I think talk you're about right. it. I think you're I think right. I think we were so excited to have the brothers here, uh, Father Drew and Father <laughs> Zach, maybe. Um, that we just we didn't talk about it. So uh, what's going on a, a, over a there? A glaring, a glaring omission. A glaring, <laughs> and there's big news from Costco this week. Big as news, well. really? Uh, well, not this week, but since we talked about it last, because the samples are back, Father Craig. The samples are back. The samples are back. One of the main reasons that I would go to Costco on Saturday mornings uh, for those samples. And uh, if you remember during the pandemic, unfortunately, we had to say goodbye to the samples for a little while. But they are back, and you can do more than just smell them and see them. You can now taste the goodness of Costco samples again. <laughs> so it makes me think of uh, if anybody w- watches Parks and Recreation, where Ron Swanson goes to the <laughs> vegan place and, <laughs> and he says, "Do you want to try a sample of our vegan bacon?" And he's like, "Yes, please." And he takes it and he throws it in the garbage. He's like, "May I, have, I have another, another? one?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> throws it in the garbage, and then April takes it and throws it in the garbage. <laughs> I, I know the clip you're referring to, but we would never do that with Costco samples because I don't think they sample vegan bacon at Costco. No. I mean, what's your favorite sample that you've ever gotten at oh Costco? Oh, my goodness. That, that is a loaded question. Um, I don't know. But I will say this. Those, uh, those cheese wisps or crisps, whatever you call them, that mm-hmm. I'm so fond of, I first tried those as samples at Costco. That's oh, what got okay. me hooked. So I guess it works. Do you want to hear a confession from me? Oh, yes, please. I've never, ever had a sample at Costco. Never? I just walk right past the people. Oh, my goodness. We have to do something about this. I don't don't smile. I don't say hello. (laughs) I just, hey, sir, would you like to try? And I just keep on walking. Well, now, so so they say they're free samples, (laughs) but but there is a price you have to pay. When you have the samples, you do have to listen to their little little pitch for the product. That's why I don't take it. It's a trade-off, you know. My mind fully worth the, the little bit of time, but uh, yeah, <laughs> good, good. So, have there any been blessings in your life? What's been going on since we talked last? Ooh, lots been going on actually. Divine Child is a it's a busy parish to be at. Uh, one really uh, cool experience, a lot of blessings, uh, was I got to experience uh, Divine Child Homecoming for the first time last year. We didn't really do homecoming for yeah. a parade, and I was homeschooled, so. There's not much of a homecoming when you're homeschooled. When, when you when you went to homecoming, did you take your mom to homecoming? <laughs> <laughs> homecoming, I live at my home and my school. I don't know what that would mean for a homeschooler. Yeah, that'd be weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so so this was my first homecoming, and it was it was quite 
uh, the to do. It was it was a lot of fun. Uh, my car got decorated uh, as a float, so that was fun. Actually, it was my dad's truck. Yeah. Um, and they had the the a little homecoming parade, and you know, of course, the football game, and it was the fullest I'd ever seen the stadium. So it was it was a lot of fun. Very exciting. We won the homecoming game, which was oh, always awesome. nice. Um, and uh, it was probably the biggest crowd like community event i've ever seen at dc and you could just you could feel the, just the real the, the familial spirit of uh, of everyone there so yeah it, was, it sounds really great it was a lot of fun and it's it's fun. funny that you know your your dad's truck was in the uh driveway and i was wondering why i couldn't park my truck in, in, in the in the garage <laughs> it was, finally i had to like ask you whether or not uh, you were going to take the truck home so i could park in the garage it was it was a process you know it was um actually funny story about that truck it's my dad's old work truck we live on a dirt road so i got it for i traded my car for that because i figured it'd be better you know you can do anything to that thing doesn't matter uh yeah should we mention about father john's car (laughs) (laughs) because you didn't see it on your on your dad's truck but father john's car had tape everywhere it had had tape all (laughs) over you know which uh you know father john's car was very clean before the float building. My dad's car was not. As a matter of fact, uh, the seniors who decorated my dad's car washed it before they started decorating <laughs> it uh, because it was so dirty. So it looked so better than <laughs> it looked better when I returned it. That's the cleanest that that old truck's ever been. That's so. Yes, but that was that was a blessing for me just seeing uh, everyone coming together for homecoming. How about how about you, Father Craig? And, and not to mention how dirty your car came when you got your car back from the dirt road. Because you have <laughs> well, you have many of sisters and uh, they had like wash me on the back of your window and uh, everything yes, like that. Yes, they uh, feel feeling the love for my sisters, you know? Uh, <laughs> now that's every time I visit home. I come back with a fine coating of dust on the back of the, yeah. the focus. So yes. Yes. How about you, Father Craig? Well, you know what was really great for me is I got to, for the first time here at Sacred Heart since the pandemic, is we got to do a discernment weekend. So we had six guys come to the seminary and live with the seminarians for uh, a whole weekend, which was great. You know, you you really get to kind of see what seminary life would be like. Now, of course, none of us are called to just be in seminary life. We're called to the priesthood, but I mean, it's one step that you need to be taking. And I think, you know, we ask these questions from the Lord, like, Lord, do you want me to be a priest? And I think that's just sometimes too large of a question. It should be Mm -hmm. like, Lord, what do you want me to do next? Give me the light of where I should go or what I should be doing. And this discernment weekend is a great way to get that light, because if you enjoy that discernment weekend, you could see yourself living uh, with the seminarians, mm-hmm. then that's a great indicator that, hey, the Lord might be calling you to the priesthood and that this is a great time to discern and, and to be a part of that. So we did a lot. I mean, nice. uh, and if if uh, if I could just say that was exactly what it did for me. Yeah. You know, when I went on a discernment weekend, I could suddenly I don't know, I could it was a great experience and I could see myself uh, living that life. I, I, I couldn't visualize it beforehand. And I could say I could. I can do this, you know. So, but I hear, uh, I hear you might have tweaked the schedule a little bit. What, uh, what did you guys do? We did a lot. I, I think it was really great. Um, we also had Father Brian Casa, who was with us uh, from the Chaldean mm. Eparchy. You know, we he was on our podcast a couple episodes uh, ago, right. so he was helping out as well. We just had a lot of stuff going on. So the guys arrived on Thursday night. 
you know, and we kind of did a welcome for them, but then we watched a quick video because we went to Holy Hour with all the seminarians, which is mm. a preached Holy Hour from one of the faculty, and get some time to spend in prayer. And then afterwards, they had hospitality in one of their recreation rooms, and, you know, you could be playing pool or ping pong or just watch TV, and they got the chance to talk to the seminarians. In fact, the college side, they have this that I just found out last week. Um, each floor... Uh, starts to compete for different um, points. And at the end mm. of the year, you get this trophy with a giraffe <laughs> on it. It makes no sense whatsoever. But that night was actually yes. the uh, the competition of uh, doubles ping pong. So we got to watch oh, that a little nice. bit. Yeah, it was really cool. They Very were really cool. into it. Uh, then we did night prayer with them. And then Friday was just really busy. You know, we had morning mass and prayer with the seminarians. Mm -hmm. uh, the discerners got to go to seminary class with uh, the seminarians so they could see what Very a seminary nice. class would be like. We took a tour. Uh, then we did some free time, but free time with spiritual direction or confession if they wanted to. Um, mm -hmm. The seminarians were playing ultimate frisbee so they could join in with that. Uh, we did another video and another holy hour. And then what we did is we took them out to, to dinner uh, with a number of different seminarians so we could just kind of get out of the environment a little mm -hmm. bit and have uh, have some time to speak a little bit more. And then we came back and watched um, Life is Beautiful, one of St. John Paul II's favorite movies, and just oh. that beautiful um, image of what a father does uh, for his child. Mm -hmm. um, if you've never seen that movie, it is subtitles, although they do have a version that translates it. Um, Unfortunately, mm. I couldn't find that version, but uh, Life is Beautiful uh, is a great movie, and it really shows how uh, a father sacrifices for his child, and uh, mm -hmm. I just wanted to look at that for spiritual fatherhood. Um, so we did that, and then uh, Saturday we had a, a very busy day again. We talked to a number of the formators to talk about the different dimensions of, of seminary right. life, spiritual, intellectual, human, pastoral. We went to lunch, and then Archbishop Bingeron came out and talked to us, gave us about an hour talk about discerning and, and what that means for our lives. And then we went over to the Solanus Casey Center and had a tour and got some time to pray uh, by his, um, you know, by his remains. Uh, and got, uh, they gave us a third-class relic as well. Came back, did dinner and a holy hour, uh, had some uh, question and answers, and then we had a pizza party. And then All on right. Sunday morning, uh, you know, we got again to do more, a solemn morning prayer and uh, mass uh, with the with the seminary. The rector came and talked to the discerners, and that was it. It went by really fast, but it was a, a full couple days. Um, mm -hmm. uh, one of the guys said, I didn't want to leave. You know, I wanted to kind of continue on. It seemed like it was really short. And so nice. it was good to, to be a part of that and to see it, and uh, everything went really well, and yeah, if you're Good. thinking about, you know, whether or not you're called to the priesthood, we do have another discernment weekend coming up at the very beginning of December. So you might want to take a look on our website again, DetroitPriestlyVocations.com. It's in December. You want to ask your boss for time off or make sure you have your paper done if you're still in school so that you can come <laughs> for those four days. It's, it's yeah. a really, really a great time to discern and to be with the seminarians. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, well. Speaking of of discernment, Father Craig. Oh, um, what a great segue like there! To, to, I Seg know you like that. Segway. <laughs> Saint Ignatius uh, talks a lot about discernment in his uh, in his work 
um, and especially in sort of uh, some of the the stuff he writes around the spiritual exercises. And Father David, there's something on the table here. I don't know what is this. You want to tell our <laughs> listeners here? Yes, there is there is something on the table that you cannot see because this is a podcast. Uh, <laughs> but there is an you could, icon. You could see with your ears. You can. We can paint a a visual image for you here. Yeah. So, um, so this is an icon of Saint Ignatius of Loyola. Um, and it was painted, although technically we don't say painted with icons. We say written because icons, there's a particular way of, of constructing them, of, of, of writing them that includes prayers so that as you're, as you're writing the icon, you have these prayers that you say along with it. Um, anyways, this icon was written by one of our parishioners at Divine Child. Hmm. Apparently I talk about St. Ignatius of Loyola a lot, <laughs> um, he is he is definitely one of my favorite saints, and I guess I was mentioning him a lot in homilies because a couple months ago, uh, someone gave me a little postcard of Saint Ignatius. They're like, "Oh, I thought you would like this." And then uh, this lady, one of the parishioners, who's one of the faithful six thirty mass goers, you know, in the morning, <laughs> she came up and she was like, "You know, I've been praying about this, and uh, I would like to give you an icon of Saint Ignatius of Loyola." So she did, and it is it is a beautiful icon. Sits on my desk most days as I'm working, uh, so yes, we are. He is joining us in icon form today. That's great. It, it's interesting too because you say you wrote an icon, and when people find out that I'm an artist, they say, "Oh, do you do icons?" And I really mm. don't. But it's funny is that when I do make artwork, I am praying the whole time, mm-hmm. and I found that when I was discerning the priesthood, it's when I was making artwork to apply to graduate school, and. Now it's it's almost as if, it, as if the Lord has been calling me back to kind of this first love. It's these things that we do to be called by the Lord. We mm-hmm. sometimes give up in the midst of whatever we're doing in life. And I think the Lord really wants me to make more artwork. And lately because of the iPad and I've been doing things uh, with the pencil and everything like that, mm-hmm. that I've been praying again while making art. Um before the Lord in the sacrament. And some people say, yeah, you can't do that. And I'm like, yeah, you can. You can pray how you want. And this is <laughs> this right. is how the Lord has spoken to me uh, always, you know. So I, I've been doing it. It's been very fruitful. So mm. I sort of write icons. I just make yeah. art with the Lord. Yes. No, that, that's that's beautiful. And uh, and for I know for this, this lady, I was actually, um, I went over and I blessed her house a little bit ago. And she has so many of these icons. She has a beautiful studio set up. It's it's a very like prayerful environment, um, and so many of these icons just all around her walls of of modern saints that you don't always see icons of. So yeah. it's, it's very cool. I yeah. like that. Yeah, awesome. Good. So so Saint Ignatius uh, talks a lot about discernment, but I think before we jump into what he said, we get to talk a little bit about who he is. Uh, he is a saint. Um, kind of. Now, I'm going out on a limb a little bit, but I think mid-1500s, does that sound right? I'm horrible with history, so <laughs> don't ask me. This is well, the Father David show on that's the right, Sermon of Spirits right. by St. Ignatius. This <laughs> well, is... <laughs> we'll, we'll pass over that point. Uh, Father Craig, you want Did to you tell us a little bit? Did you prepare enough? <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You, of course, have prepared enough. <laughs> I, I do have an outline. I'm not just flying by this. No, I know, I know you're not. I know you're not. But I know it's my, my turn to talk a little bit about his life and yes, how Father the Craig. Sermon of Spirits came about for him. Could you tell us about that? 
the guy was a warrior. He was mm. he was he fought. He he was a military man, and and he loved reading books on knights in shining armor and all mm-hmm. of that type of stuff. And and when he was not out fighting, he was doing that. And what happened? He was out there doing stuff, and he got hit by a cannonball in the leg. Mm-hmm. He didn't die, of course, um, but he was laid up in a castle and. He wanted to pass the time, and he asked the people at the castle, you know, give me some of these books that I really enjoy reading. And so I passed the time, and they didn't have any of those books. The only books that they had were Lives of the Saints, and I think either the Bible or Imitation of Christ. I think it was the Imitation I of think, Christ. I think you're right. It was, it, was, it was a book on Christ, so yeah. So he's sitting there and reading it, and that's when he came to this idea that not only when he was reading these books about the Lives of the Saints— it made him feel good while he was reading them, you know. But then mm-hmm. even after he put those books down, he still felt good. He's like, I could live my life like mm. a St. Francis, or I could live my life like a St. Dominic, or I can grow in these particular virtues. It's, it, it just made him feel good. And then he reflect back when he read the books that were about knights in shining armor. He said, when I read those books, I felt good. I felt on mm-hmm. fire, but as soon as I put the book down, I felt empty. I felt it didn't do anything for me. Mm-hmm. I almost felt like I lost something in a sense. And it was interesting that this is where the kind of the discernment spirit started for him, that he recognized that wanting a holier life, doing these types of things was a great way of, of knowing that this was what the Lord wanted for his life or, or, or because it felt good for him, it was a consolation. We mm-hmm. will talk about consolation and desolation and which I can, I can relate to. Cause when I started to discern the priesthood, I started reading like books by Christian authors like C.S. Lewis, the space mm. trilogy, the Narnia yeah. series. I read, uh, St. Faustina, St. Anthony Mary Claret, which is a saint that a lot of people don't know, who was an artist in, as well. Hmm. And as I was reading these books, I too felt good. I wanted to be holier. I wanted to be better. And and, and mm-hmm. it helped me figure out where the Lord was calling me. So yeah, I, I think he was on to something. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you said, Father Craig, that he was, he was a warrior. And, uh, and that was, that was really, it defined his life, right? And in a sense, it, it almost, uh, he didn't stop being a warrior after this conversion that you're talking about. Um, but he, he became like a warrior for Christ, right? Yeah. And that that, uh, that language carries over into so much of what he talks about when he's talking about uh, kind of discerning these different voices. He doesn't just talk about like the, the devil's voice. He calls him the enemy, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's like... <laughs> Yeah, he is a soldier. And even just like the whole idea, the, the title, spiritual exercises. Like, I got to believe when he's talking about his spiritual exercises, he's he's thinking of kind of like, you know, military exercises where they go out on the field and kind of prepare for that. Yeah. Um, you have to have a plan. That's right. Yeah. And exactly. if, you know, the plan gets deviated from, you know, there could be horrible things that happen. So he created a new plan through the exercises. Yes. So. Yes. So it was... It was, as you said, it was a great grace that he got uh, taken out at the knees by a cannonball because uh, right. it laid him up in, a, in, a, in and he had to do this discerning. Um, how we know about St. Ignatius is actually through his own autobiography where he would dictate stuff to one of his, uh, one of his confreres and he would write them down. So we have pretty uh, accurate information. And one of the things that has struck me about this autobiography, one of the things that 
uh, priest uh, scholar Father Timothy Gallagher talks about is that he describes that moment of spiritual awakening as my eyes were opened a little. And after his eyes were opened a little, he was able to see this difference you were talking about, the difference between uh, these thoughts of kind of like earthly valor and, you know, being this knight in shining armor versus uh, being a saint, you know, and, and his eyes were opened a little and he was able to see the difference, right? Like you said, uh, they both were kind of inspiring to him at the time. One left him a little unfulfilled. The other, even when he was after he thought about it, he still thought, you know, it was still that uh, consolation, if you will, remains. Yeah. So, yeah. And yeah, I, I mean, that looks, I mean, in our lives, we'll explain it a little bit more, but we can be pursuing good things within this world and we can get that house or we can get that car. There's yes. nothing wrong with, how, with, yes. with having a nice car or a nice house, but we might want more mm-hmm. and the might, Lord might be calling us to more. And what is that but to be a saint? Mm-hmm. Through our vocation, of course. That's right. Always <laughs> through our vocation, which needs to be discerned. Yes. <laughs> Good. One other uh, figure I, or person I'd like to introduce a little bit, just because a lot of what we're going to talk about today I, I get from him, is Father Timothy Gallagher. Hey, you just mentioned him. Yeah, I just mentioned who, him. Who, who is he? Who, let Explain me tell that. you who this <laughs> All right, guy is. Please do. Now, I know this is a podcast, but I so you can't see what I'm holding up, but it's another book. It's called The Discernment of Spirits, and it's by Father Timothy Gallagher. Yes. He is... Um, he is an oblate of the Virgin Mary. So interestingly enough, he's he's one of the foremost uh, experts today, at least in the English-speaking world, on Igna- um, Saint Ignatius's uh, spiritual writings and such. Uh, he's not actually a Jesuit, though. No, he's an oblate yeah. of the Virgin Mary. Um, and this this book um, has has impacted my life, my discernment quite a bit. Um, I also uh, Father Timothy Gallagher when we went as seminarians to IPF, the Institute for Priestly Formation, which yeah. is a summer program out in uh, Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, when uh, we went there, we, we we went to a series of talks by him, right? And so we, we got to hear a little bit kind of firsthand from him about St. Ignatius and his writings. And it was, it was very helpful um, when I didn't fall asleep. <laughs> uh, he, he's a very peaceful man, and he kind of talks just... Uh, very, very quietly, you know, not a lot of fluctuation in his voice. And you can just drift right off <laughs> to sleep. Um, but, but great content, which is what kept us awake for yeah. the most part, I think. Um, so anyways, I just wanted to mention him. It's a great book. It's very accessible. He goes through St. Ignatius rules with lots of like concrete examples from life. Like, all right, we're talking about whatever it might be, spiritual consolation and desolation. Here's what it looked like in someone's life, you know. Here's what this looked like, you know. Um, helped to really concretize it and help me to say like, oh, this is what it looks like in my life. Yeah. So, so we'll be drawing on him a little bit awesome. later on. Um, one of the things uh, Saint Ignatius is known for, especially, is his his spiritual exercises. Now, Father Craig, have you been on the spiritual exercises? I have. You've done them? Yeah, I yes. have. So have I. What a coincidence. <laughs> well, That's it's part of the seminary program now for us. Yes. Um, we do the 30-day silent retreat, uh, the Ignatian exercises, someone who's mm-hmm. trained in it because it's not easy to do. Nope. I remember uh, my second year as a priest, no, it'll be my maybe third year as a priest, 
someone was like, hey, can you do the 30-day uh, exercises for me, lead me in it? And at first I thought, oh, yeah, I could do it. And I started looking mm. everything over, and I, like, I called them up immediately. No, I can't do this. <laughs> this yes. is a lot to take on. So, But it was a wonderful experience. Yeah, uh, likewise for me as well. Um, it, it is, like Father Craig said, it's 30 days of silence, which can be difficult, right? But There's uh, one day off. I there, think the there, yes, day. yes, you're right. There's there's a day a day or two off. Yeah, that and you then do you do get. talk to your spiritual director every single day. That's true. You talk to your spiritual director every day, which is very important, and you talk to Jesus quite a bit. Yeah. So, but I mean the way the place that we go is was in the middle of nowhere. The middle weather nowhere. didn't change. Go nothing to, changed. Go to Timbuktu <laughs> and then keep going. You know, yeah. it's it's yeah. It was uh, middle of South Dakota. Uh, nothing around but cornfields and cattle farms. Yep. So it was, yeah. it was, it was, uh, certainly getting away, getting away from the real, the, the busyness of life. Um, yeah. I thought maybe father Craig, we could just talk a little bit about the format of those, uh, those spiritual exercises and then maybe share a little bit about what that was like for us. Sure. Um, sounds great. I was always struck. And one of the first things we meditate on and it really sets the tone for the spiritual exercises is what St. Ignatius calls the principle and foundation. And it might, might sound obvious, might not, but he says this. He says, The human person is created to praise, reverence, and serve God our Lord, and by doing so to save his or her, her soul. All other things on the face of the earth are created for human beings in order to help them pursue the end for which they are created. And then he goes on, Therefore, Persons must make use of them insofar as they help in the attainment of their end and rid themselves of them in as far as they prove a hindrance to them. I think that's, it's just, maybe you've heard stuff like that before, but this whole idea that everything in our life is supposed to be oriented first towards the glory of God. Yeah. Like even before our own salvation, right? Sometimes we think the spiritual life is all about just getting to heaven, right? And that's important. But like even before that, to, that thought to have like, I want my life to give glory to God. And that really does set the tone for some of the, you might say like radical, just surrender to God, uh, mm-hmm. abandonment of, of myself and my own desires or, or letting those become kind of secondary to the Lord and his will. Uh, that's really kind of the focus and the purpose of, of the spiritual exercises. Yeah. Um, God has to be first. Yes, Don't exactly. the Jesuits say that for the greater glory of God. Yes, yes. Yeah. You, sometimes you see AMDG on stuff, uh, Jesuit stuff, and that stands for Ad Maiorum Dei Gloria, which is Latin for for the greater glory of God. Yeah. Sometimes I preach on it, and, and you'd like to think that, you know, family is so important in our lives, and family mm-hmm. should come first, but mm-hmm. mm, God should come first. If we want to love our family more, we need to love God more. And yes. God will give us the grace to love our family more. So we need to have the right ordering of things, and I believe we do get into that with the spiritual exercises as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so spiritual exercises, uh, they're split up into four weeks, quote-unquote. They're not actually a week. It's just four sections. Um, and some people can spend longer in those weeks, yes, depending on where you're at. It's very it's very fluid, but it's kind of just the general structure Um of how how kind of things things progress, but um, yeah, it can be tweaked. I know I didn't necessarily follow or do all the meditations that are 
you know, given there, it's, there's some freedom in that for where you're at with the Lord. I mean, nobody's journey ever looks quite the same. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, actually, um, our, our retreat started out with just some beautiful meditations on the love of God, which I don't know if it was directly in Ignatius, but just a good way to start any retreat, right? Putting yourselves in his presence, remembering his, his love and care for you. Uh, and then you, you launch into what uh, my classmates and I call Hell Week. <laughs> uh, so, something like, uh, uh, I guess, what the, what the Navy SEALs go through, but a little different. Um, spiritually speaking, it's actually meditating on stuff like sin, hell, and these kind of things. Uh, pretty like heavy stuff. Yeah. I was talking at the end of the retreat, actually, to one of, uh, one of the... Uh, just grounds crew there. And he's like, yeah, I can always tell when guys are getting into hell week there. They, they look a little frazzled, you know? <laughs> um, so it, it's some intense uh, meditations, uh, but good ones, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's just looking at the reality of how much I need God, right? Yeah. And what life would be like without him. Yeah. And so uh, many people don't want to think about those types of things at all. And they just push true. it out. And this is why the 30 day silent retreat is so good because you can't hide. No, you really can't, right? You know, you I brought I brought Bible commentaries, I brought my artwork, <laughs> I brought a fishing pole. Yeah. And my director was like, "You can't do any of those. In fact, <laughs> you're not even allowed to read the Bible. I'm going to wow. give you five passages every day, and yeah. that's the only thing you're going to focus on because I do not want you distracted." Yes. And so much of this world is a distraction, so we don't think about these things that are so incredibly important to us. That's true. No, that's very true. And then uh 30 days of silence you got, you have plenty of time, right? You run out of all the distractions you've got for yourself pretty quick. Yeah. So, and then there's, then there's the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. So, good. So, so that's, that's kind of, um, towards the beginning, you go through kind of these, these heavier realities and you realize like, I need God, right? And, and, and then it goes through kind of Christ's life. So you, you think about the incarnation all the way to Palm Sunday is the second week. Um, and then he also puts uh, interspersed throughout these other meditations. One which uh, really struck me is the, and you might have heard of it before, but the two standards, right? Mm-hmm. It's where you picture just like here's Christ with his army of all the saints on one side, and here's you know the enemy, right, the evil one, and and all of the evil spirits on the other side, and and there's there's a battle, right? I mean, yeah. Saint Ignatius is a, he's he's a soldier, so he sees it in terms of a battle, and and the question is. Who are you going to serve? You know, are you going to be with the Lord and, and all the angels and saints, or are, are you going to be on the other team? You know, yeah. and and in that, of course, we know who wins, right? The question is, are you going to be on the winning team? Right? Yeah, makes me think of I just watched all the extended versions of Lord of the Rings again. Did you really? Uh, not not in one day, although I did that <laughs> once with a friend, and yeah, that's an intense day. Yeah, you know, you're at the Black Gate. You know, what what mm. side are you on there? Yes, yes, exactly. So you kind of walk through that, then you walk through um, just like the Last Supper through the crucifixion. So you're really, you're walking through the Lord's life, right? Um, That's kind of that third week there, Last Supper to crucifixion. And this was really powerful for me. I don't know how it matched up for you, Father Craig, but we did this right after our trip to the Holy Land. So we're meditating, we're meditating on all of these uh, events from Christ's life. And we can go back to a month before and you're like, I was there. I know what this looks like, you know. Uh, it just it just made it so much more real for me. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think they do that intentionally. You know? Yeah, I don't know. You know what they're doing. So you walk through that, and then the fourth week is just the resurrection, you know. And there's a contemplation in there 
contemplation to attain the love of God. And this is really where uh, all this is directed, right? That, that to, um, to just experience, to know God's love for you, right? You know his need, you know the lengths he went to, to kind of become incarnate, to save us from our sins, and then you, you arrive at this point and you're just, just to know God's love for you. A beautiful thing. Um, Father Craig, are you familiar with uh, the Sushi Pay prayer of Saint Ignatius? I am not. You're not. Well, this is this is where it comes into play. It's a it's a prayer that Saint Ignatius recommends you can pray towards the end of this retreat. And it's, I don't know. To me, it's kind of a scary prayer because it's like we talked about like living for the glory of God. That means kind of your life isn't your own anymore. Right? Mm-hmm. And this prayer is an expression of that uh, that you're just giving it all to the Lord. So I'll I'll read it to you. And this is a prayer like. If you really pray this prayer and you think about what you're saying, it's kind of radical, you know? Yeah. But that was St. Ignatius, you know? He's a radical dude. Yeah, it seems like, yeah, all for or all against, right? Yeah. <laughs> you either no, loved him or no, you didn't. No middle ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so this is the Sushi Pay prayer of St. Ignatius. It goes like this. What does Sushi Pay mean? Uh, it just means take or receive or accept, right? Which is the first word of the prayer. So it's... Receive, O Lord, all my liberty. Take my memory, my understanding, and my entire will. Whatever I have or hold you have given to me, I give it all back to you and surrender it wholly to be governed by your will. Give me only your grace and your love. Having but these, I am rich enough and ask for nothing more. So it's just this, everything I have, I've got from the Lord. You know, my liberty right? My freedom. I give it to the Lord, my my memory itself. Um, and I don't ask for anything in return, right? That I think that was the line that struck me when I when I see this and still strikes me is like, the only thing I'm asking in return is for your grace and love. Yeah. That's, that's an intense prayer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's almost freeing though, in a sense too. It it's is. like, it is right. I don't need to list everything I need from the Lord. I just no. put it in the Lord's hands. Yeah. If you're with me, that's all I need, right? I've done something similar to this, although I did the mm. consecration to the Blessed Virgin Mary. So it's just one step of saying, okay, I'm going to do this through the Blessed Virgin Mary and not through myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so that's that's a little bit of how the 30-day how the uh, goes. Father Craig, I know you already shared a little bit about, uh, you know, coming into it, thinking you're going to, do all this reading and such. Uh, were there any um, any experiences or anything you'd care to share that really uh, kind of impacted you? Any ways the Lord spoke to you through that time? Yeah, I mean, there were a number of things. It's hard to kind of explain it fully because when, when mm-hmm. you slow down like that, things become a little bit more real. I mean, yes. to think that, you know, to go get a cup of tea was a big event. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's true, like, though. Yeah, I'm going to go downstairs and grab a tea. Maybe it's going to be chai tea, or maybe it's going <laughs> to be English breakfast, and, and maybe yep. I'll put some honey in it, and we'll let yep. it steep. <laughs> this is like a big I, event. So, I mean, things really slow down, and you really get to think about like all these different details that you normally don't yes. think about. and You notice so much more. Yeah. You notice so much more, both without and within. Yeah, right? yeah. And, and there was this one time, which is interesting, because part of the 30-day silent retreat is when you get to one of the weeks, and I don't remember which, 
Because you're supposed to spend five times in prayer with the Lord, five holy hours. Mm -hmm. And if you wake up in the middle of the night, you're supposed to pray one. And Mm -hmm. I wake up in the middle of the night every night. So I just knew Mm -hmm. I was going to pray one. And there was one night where I went up into the chapel and and I'm praying. And, you know, a couple other guys came in. And and I just thought it was really beautiful that the Lord showed me that, that I have brothers who are on this journey with me, who mm. want to become holy, want to be a holy mm-hmm. priest, want to help save souls. And it just made me feel not only like I belonged, but I belonged to the winning team because mm-hmm. I never felt that before. And that, mm-hmm. that sense of belonging and belonging to the winning team That's right. <laughs> was really, really powerful. And, and I really liked that. And I remember we share graces at the end of the retreat. And as I was explaining this to the group that I was a part of, one of the guys was like, I hated that. You know, I was there that night and I hated, I wanted to be alone and all you guys were here. (laughs) So the Lord works with us, what we need and what we don't need. (laughs) That's right. Absolutely. No, that's awesome. I, um, I remember, I mean the whole, the whole experience, like you say, it's, it's hard to almost describe it sometimes. I feel like I can describe it better now being a couple years out than I could have at the end of it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I really do, um, I felt in so many ways the Lord uh, was just asking me, like, let me lead you, right? Let me save you. Let me die for you. You know, you don't have to kind of save yourself in a sense. That was probably the grace in a nutshell. Uh, Or a couple prayer periods in particular that still stick with me. Uh, One of those was actually from that uh, that hell week. Mm. Um, And it was was a meditation. and, And the meditation was pretty stark. It was to... Uh, imagine that you have not lived a good life. You're standing before the Lord, and uh, you know it's 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 judgment time, you know. And of course, my spiritual director recommended that I do this in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that. It was it was a very intense um, meditation. But then I, I got to spiritual direction the next morning. I was kind of like, this was you know horrible. I never want to go to hell. Um, and he goes, okay, I want you to do the same meditation tonight. But do it as a priest, and that was that was. Um, I, I'll just I'll never forget that. And and so a lot of Ignatian prayer is using your imagination, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm imagining myself as like a priest who you know just didn't live a real faithful life. And there I am before God, you know, and it's it's the end of my life. And I just I just remember looking at the seeing the Blessed Mother, and this wasn't something like I was trying to imagine up, but I remember seeing the Blessed Mother right there behind Jesus. And she just looked very sad, right? I was like, man, as a priest, she would have been the one to like welcome me into heaven. Mm-hmm. And and I was just like, I think that that formed my priesthood. Like, I never want to do anything that would disappoint the Blessed Mother. Yeah. You know? So uh, yeah, that that's a big grace that's that's stuck with me till today from that thirty days. Yeah. You know? Um, Again, yeah. I think when we we get into these things where it's, you know, you're looking at your life and you're looking at your heart and mm-hmm. you're looking at your fears, you know. I think, at least for me, I'm more melancholy and stuff like that. I, yeah. Worst case scenario, right? Yeah, right. But we don't think about the good things and what it means mm. if if the Lord, if we rely on the Lord for that grace and what yes. we need and what we don't need. And that there are some very beautiful things that when we delve into our spiritual lives more, it doesn't mean that, you know, it's going to be hard, of course. Yeah, but it's it doesn't mean that it's going to end bad. Yeah, it can end really good, too. Yes. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Well, I'd 
love to talk a little bit with you. Just uh, a few principles that uh, St. Ignatius gives. Uh, they're from these spiritual exercises, these, these rules that he has for discerning. And it's talking, Father Craig, just about uh, some of the things that you have uh, mentioned, looking inwards, right? Looking at the heart, the fears that are there, also the desires. Um, you talk about looking at our, our thoughts, feelings, and desires as a way that God can speak to us, right? As a way that God or the enemy could speak to us. Um, and that's what I'd like to maybe just focus on for a little bit here Um they're practical advice for understanding and responding to the various movements of our heart, and especially for dealing with and overcoming what he's going to call desolation, right? So discouragement, fear, anxiety, those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times we ask, like, how does God speak to us, right? We're waiting for a booming voice. Often it's not that. It's more silent. It's in the heart. It's these thoughts, feelings, and desires. And so St. Ignatius really wants us to be able to look and say, which of these are the voice of God? Which of these are coming from God or from a good place? Which of these are coming from a bad place or from the enemy? Right? So he calls these rules. He calls them rules for doing three things. Becoming aware, understanding to some extent the different movements which are caused in the soul, and then taking action, right? The good to receive them, the bad to reject them. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and that's kind of, that's what he, that's, that's just, that's, that's the task, the task of discernment of spirits for him. Um, so we become aware how? By taking that time of quiet prayer, right? It's especially in silence, right? Like a 30-day silent retreat or even just, you know, 15 minutes, a holy hour each day, you know, of quiet time to look within yeah. and to say, is God speaking? And that's so important, especially if, if you're a man out there discerning the priesthood. There has to be times where you're silent and just speaking to the Lord. Mm-hmm. That means putting your phone away, uh, being just alone with the Lord, and just talking to him as you're talking to a friend or, or somebody yes. to hear him and what he has to say back. Yes, yes, absolutely. And uh, so to do that, uh, St. Ignatius talks about uh, consolation and desolation. Um, consolation is more or less going to be any of kind of the the good, uplifting feelings that we have Desolation are, are kind of the darker ones or stuff that, that uh, take us away from the Lord or can, can seem like they're doing that. I'd like to, if you don't mind, Father Craig, read a little bit from the rules themselves of just St. Ignatius' own description sure. of consolation and desolation. So it gives us a good example. We can think about, like, have I seen this in my life, right? So he says, I call consolation some inner movement caused in the soul through which the soul becomes inflamed with love of its creator and Lord. Consequently, it can love no created thing on the face of the earth for itself, but only in the Creator. goes on, Likewise, it's when perhaps you shed tears to love from love of the Lord or sorrow one's sins for the passion of Christ, or because other things are directly ordered to His service and praise. And this is where I think it really hits home for me. Finally, I call consolation every increase of faith, hope, and charity, and all interior joy that calls and attracts us to heavenly things and to the salvation of one's soul. So this is this is a time when it's easy to pray. You know God's close to you. You feel like you want to do great things in his service, right? That's yeah. consolation, right? Yeah. Desolation is going to be the exact opposite. He says, I call desolation the contrary of consolation. Darkness of soul, disturbance, movement to low and earthly things, disquiet from agitations and temptations, 
moving to lack of confidence, without hope, without love, finding oneself totally slothful, tepid, sad, and as if separated from one's Creator and Lord. Sometimes you feel like that, right? Like, where's God? I'm se- I feel separated from him. And, uh, you know, I just, I don't want to pray. I'm slothful, tepid, sad, discouraged. Right? And, and the big key insight that St. Ignatius has is in times of consolation, it's generally the good spirit or God, you know, or an angel speaking, right, through those thoughts, feelings, and desires. In times of desolation, it's generally the enemy, as he calls him, speaking. Right? And so, so when we look at kind of the thoughts, feelings, and desires that arise from consolation, we can say, oh, those are of God. When we look at the thoughts, feelings, and desires that arise from desolation, we can say, no, those are from the enemy. So it's helpful. That's that first step of just becoming aware, right? Yeah. There's a difference between just saying, like, I'm in desolation versus I'm kind of like looking at myself in desolation, right? To become aware like, I'm in desolation. That means this feeling of discouragement, it's not something I should listen to, you know? I don't know if, uh, this, Father Craig, if you can think of any times in your life where you've you've felt one of these or uh, maybe uh, been able to overcome a desolation or something like that. I can think of a few in my life. Yeah, I can think of a couple. I mean, yeah. for consolation, I remember, you know, I, I've kind of explained it a little bit before in the past. I was not a not a good person (laughs) Mm. and there were a lot of uh difficulties within my life and there was a lot of hatred and anger in my life as well and again one christmas is when the lord was calling me back to him and um i just got so incredibly sick but i knew the lord was calling me back to him and Mm. the lord did this amazing thing that while i was sick and I, i remember laying in bed for like three days like it was like the flu times 10 type thing Mm. where it felt like the Lord was working on me and taking just junk out of my soul, Mm -hmm. but reworking me and it hurt. But at the same time, I didn't want it to stop. I knew that God was recreating me in that particular moment. And it was Mm. such, even though I was going through, it was painful in a sense, but it was beautiful at the same time. And I knew it was God and my life was different from that moment on. I mean, that was a huge turning point and that a lot of the anger, especially that hate, mm. that hate that I had, I had such a vehement hate for a lot of people and a lot of things and maybe even for God as well. Mm. And that, mm-hmm. that was gone. That was taken out of me. And that was certainly was a great consolation. I knew it. And for the next couple of months, as I was making this movement towards God of maybe not hanging out with certain friends anymore, changing the music that I listened to, uh, going back to school in a different way you know it it yeah it was there and i felt it and then it started to go away but i knew i was on the right path now yes now you want to talk about a desolation it's (laughs) you know it was from the devil too is because Mm. i was feeling good i knew what i wanted to do Uh, i was talking to the lord i had this great time of just being away with him and him calling me like to join the seminary and to Mm ask for an application as I was in contact with the vocation director. And I finally mm-hmm. asked for that, yes. that application. And immediately when I got that application that night, this overwhelming fear came over me that mm. every sin that I've ever committed and some horrible things too, that yes. I forgot that I did actually, mm-hmm. that I probably drowned out cause I didn't want it in my life. All of that came very vividly uh, in my mind. And I felt like I was going to hell. 
Yeah. Like, not only can I not be a priest, but you're going to hell and there's yeah. no hope for you. Yeah. And I, I like what you said when you were reading what desolation is. There's no hope. Yes. I felt like there was no hope. And uh-huh. in fact, I couldn't speak for a while. I remember going to work. I was doing catering at that time. And yeah. people were like, what's wrong with you? Like, because yeah. <laughs> I really couldn't speak. I was almost catatonic because I was so incredibly afraid. Now, hmm. imagine that. Like, if I'm in desolation like that, like, I'm going to, like, give the application back. Like, the yeah. only thing that brought me right. comfort is I had a glow-in-the-dark rosary. Mm. I love glow-in-the-dark rosary. Yeah. I still have glow-in-the-dark <laughs> rosary. I love glow-in-the-dark rosary. Nice. I got some good stories about it as well. But I prayed the rosary, and that was yeah. the only thing mm. that broke me hope and brought me peace. And then yes. slowly that went away because it was the Blessed Mother who pushed the devil away, and I was able to see clearly. It didn't take mm. away the things that I did wrong. The Lord no. wanted to heal me from those types of things. But I got to see myself again as a beloved child of God. Yes. And that there's always hope. No matter Amen. where you're at in life, Amen. there's always hope. Amen. No, that's that's beautiful. And and I think that's really getting at the heart of this, that those those thoughts, those feelings, those desires you were having in the midst of that desolation, right? What were they? They were, you could never be a priest. And I think any any priest in the discernment process at some point has heard these, right? You, you're, you can't be a priest. Uh, you're, you're too much of a sinner. You're not worthy for this. You know, God wouldn't choose you, right? And so looking at those thoughts, the feelings that go around them, if you're, if you're keeping in mind this consolation and desolation principle, you can say just by the tone with which those thoughts and feelings come, you can say those are not of God, right? Yeah. And that's but what, when you're going through it. No, for sure, absolutely. Yeah. When you're going through it, it seems like it's just you know that's all there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so a big part of of the process of discernment is trying to become more and more aware of those movements, right? As he said, become aware, understand where they're coming from, the good to accept them, the bad to reject them. Right? Yeah. That's beautiful. I, I think of a similar, you know, in my own vocation story, just the moment when I finally told the Lord, "Okay, Lord." You know, I, uh, I'll be a priest, you know, if that's what you're calling me for, to I'll, I'll do that. And I just, I felt this peace in that moment, right? It, uh, it was the opposite of desolation. It was consolation, right? And that was a confirmation for me that, like, I'm on the right track, you know? I'm, I'm responding to the Lord's voice. Um, yeah, because yeah. you still had eight more years to, <laughs> to figure that out. <laughs> that's true. That's very true. Yes. Good. Which is a good thing for our listeners to think about mm-hmm. if you're discerning the priesthood. Like, you got a lot of time to discern. You just need to yes. know what's next and to say yes to what's next. Amen. Yeah. Absolutely. Good. Well, Father Craig, I'd just like to share a few things that we can do if you might find yourself in, uh, in the spot uh, where you say, like, okay, I am in a place of desolation right now, right? I've become aware enough to realize... Like, this, there's a lot of desolation going on. What does St. Ignatius do? Always practical, right? It's that military background. He's very practical. The first thing he says, uh, if, you, if you're if you aware that I'm, you know, in desolation, don't make a change, hmm. right? That's what the desolation always tells you. You know, this is hopeless. This new resolve you've made, you can never live up to it. Just quit, you know? That's, but again, that's the desolation speaking, right? So he says, in time of desolation, Never make a change, right? You want to wait. Wait till you get to that time of peace again. Then you can reevaluate. Yeah. Right? Another thing he says is he says to remind yourself God always gives you enough grace. It might not be easy, 
but he always gives you enough grace to do his will, right? It's against that discouragement, the, the discouraging thoughts of the desolation. And then finally, one more thing he says is, he says, remind yourself that this isn't forever. Right? This desolation tends to color your past and your future, right? When you're, when you're feeling down, it's just natural to say, oh, things have always been bad and things are always going to be bad. But to remind yourself of the truth of saying, even calling to mind, no, there were times when I knew God's presence, you know? And those will come again, right? That this is temporary. So you don't make a change. Yeah, and that's, an, I yeah. can't remember what book of the Bible that's in. Like, hey, is everything going well for you? Remember there's bad times to keep, yes. you, keep you in check. Exactly. Hey, when you're in a very bad time, like I remember my back surgery, and you think you're never going to get better. Remember those good times. You will. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Things that's, will change. That's true. That's very yeah. true. Actually, you, you mentioned that. So there's 14 rules uh, for the first week of St. Ignatius. Um, three are about consolation. Two are just kind of basic instructions. The the remaining nine are on desolation, hmm. right? And yeah. Because I think the genius there is that, you know, when you're in a time of consolation, uh, you don't need as much guidance because you're already listening to God, right? You know where he's at. But but one of those two rules in consolation is, like, to remember that desolation may come again and to just prepare your heart for that, hmm. you know? Not to, like, uh, make yourself all anxious, you know? You, you thank God you, you remain in the desolation, but... You know, you remember, like, hey, this might not last, you know? So, What was the other one? What was the other rule? Oh, now you're testing me. Uh, in consolation, oh, I remember what it was. <laughs> wow, look at that. So so the first rule in consolation was, um, as I said, to, to just be prepared for desolation to come again, right? The other one was to strive for humility, hmm. right? Uh you could say the virtue to strive for in desolation is patience, right? Mm-hmm. Patience being like this disposition that's, because usually desolation wants to agitate you, right? Get you impatient kind of. And so the virtue is patience to say like, this isn't going to, this isn't going to last forever. I can get through this. Uh, the virtue in consolation to look for is humility, right? Mm. To realize that, uh, you know, the, the gift of God's presence, his, his felt presence, his grace, isn't something you earned, Right. But to okay. give thanks, right, yeah. is this gift from God, right? That's actually, St. Ignatius says, one of the reasons why God might give, uh, allow you to be in desolation at times is to remind you that uh, the graces of consolation are his gifts, not something we can earn. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, well, Father Craig, there's a whole lot more we could say about uh, yeah, we would St. Need, Ignatius. I think we would need a whole nother pod, not <laughs> a whole nother separate podcast just about St. Ignatius, hey, you know, for you like weeks and weeks and weeks to, to understand everything about what it is to, yeah. to do his spiritual exercise and stuff. But hopefully it can just be a start. And I think just remember yeah. this consolation and desolation is okay. a really good thing because I think sometimes what we do is we're on fire for the Lord. The Lord has given us consolation. Mm-hmm. And then problems happen, right? Yes. We were talking about F- Father Brian Casa, you know, our, the vocation director for uh, the Chaldeans, Eparchy. Um, he was talking about how his mom didn't want him to yes. go to the seminary, yes. right? Like, right. And that's a desolation. Like, it is. Oh, now I have all these problems. Yes. Maybe that's a sign that the Lord is telling me I need to change what I'm mm-hmm. supposed to be doing. And, and that would be the exact opposite of what Ignatius would say. He's like, okay, during that time of desolation, you need right. to wait and figure out what yes. the light of Christ is going to be for the next move. Yes, and absolutely. Yeah, so we just need to recognize that, you know, are we in desolation? Are we in consolation? 
I think is a great help for people who are discerning the priesthood. Couldn't agree more. Amen. Well, Father Craig, it's been great uh, being with you uh, today. Uh, I'd love to close with just uh, a prayer by St. Ignatius. And this is a prayer that we can pray in desolation. So, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. O Christ Jesus, when all is darkness and we feel our weakness and helpless, helplessness, give us the sense of your presence, your love, and your strength. Help us to have perfect trust in your protecting love and strengthening power so that nothing may frighten or worry us. For living close to you, we shall see your hand, your purpose, your will in all things. Amen. 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 Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you, Father David, for leading us along in the discernment of spirits and talking about St. Ignatius. This is a beautiful uh, gift that we can all receive of, of God's light and, and knowing which way to walk. Um, Amen. Thank you for uh, leading us, Father David, and, and being at the Father David Show. Lead us out. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Good to be with you, Father Craig. You've been listening to Men of the Hearts, a monthly podcast from the Archdiocese of Detroit Office of Priestly Vocations. Each month, join me, your host, Father David Pelican, and your other host, Father Craig Guerra, as we explore the priesthood, hear vocation stories from priests all over the archdiocese, and answer questions about discerning a priestly vocation. Tune in every month to wherever you get your podcasts, and learn more at DetroitPriestlyVocations.com. <laughs>